Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg, and uh, today we're going to cover a couple things. Uh, we're going to revisit a story we talked a little bit about uh, last week, which was the uh, Best Buy Gamer Club Unlock. Was that last week or two weeks ago? Well, whatever. We talked about it before. And then we're going to talk about the Atari VCS and all the success it's having currently on Indiegogo. We're going to talk about how Rockstar has revealed multiple collector's editions for Red Dead Redemption 2 and the pricing and everything that goes along with that. And then finally, I'm going to wrap up with, you know, I was trying to think what to do to talk about E3. So next week, the big E3 show is coming up. And I, I wanted to think, okay, well, do I just say, oh, here, here's uh, my hot take or here's my, you know, what, what I think is going to happen? I, I think about, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do what I want to happen. So I'm going to go through all of the the press conferences and just kind of say what I would like to see. Now, I have no evidence of any of these things. It's all, um, you know, just my own uh, conjecture and and and, uh, and my own wants. But it's just going to be kind of a fun thing. You know, it's, it's not going to be based on any sort of evidence. It's just literally going to be what I want to see out of that press conference. Uh, so to begin, let's talk about Best Buy. So a lot's happened since I talked to you guys last. So uh, a couple weeks ago, I talked about the Best Buy Gamer Club had been canceled. And what they were doing is they were going to honor everyone who already had the program. They were going to not sign up new members, but they were going to take care of the original members and uh, let you keep using it till it was over. And then the morning of June 1st, I got a very interesting email. So uh, the email, actually, I should have brought this up here. So let me let me do that real quick. So the email was basically stating that uh, um, that I had done something wrong. Uh, so let's take a look at this. Um, <laughs> all right, we're gonna switch this over. Okay, so. Um, I got this email. You are receiving this email because we need to communicate a change in the status of your Best Buy and Gamers Club Unlocked memberships. As you know, one of the great benefits of the Gamer Club Unlocked membership is a substantial discount on gaming software titles. In order to support those discounts, we needed to set limits on the maximum number of games that each member can purchase. We set this limit to three copies of each title per platform per year, per member, and included in the terms and conditions. Our records indicate that your account exceeded these limits on more than one occasion over the last 12 months. By exceeding these limits, your membership in the My Best Buy and Gamer Club Unlock programs has been automatically canceled. This change is effective immediately for all in-store and online purchases. If you choose to participate in programs in the future, we ask you to be mindful of the terms and conditions. Sincerely, your Best Buy customer team. Additionally, if you have any questions, please read our conditions of use. So, um, yeah, so basically, uh, I broke the three limit rule, which I am aware of. Um, I actually bought multiple copies of games for a tournament. So I bought like four copies of Dragon Ball Fighters and I bought multiple copies of Tekken 7. Um, and so that's what it is. Uh, so uh, I'm trying to think how to attack this first and foremost. So first of all, if I broke the rules... Uh, I'm okay with taking the punishment. Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't really... Like, I remember reading something about the three rule, but, you know, the website never stops you, and you go into the store, you can buy more. Like, there was nothing ever preventing it. So it was apparently an honor system that I wasn't uh, honoring. So, uh, so okay, so they're going to take away my Gamer Club Unlock. However, they took it a little too far, I think. Uh, what they've done also is they've completely removed my Best Buy account, which had Elite Plus membership. Uh, they took away all my... Um, 
reward points and all my reward certificates. Now, I'll be honest, if I earn those certificates by breaking the terms and, and usage, I'm okay with that. Uh, go ahead and take it away. Um, you know, if, if that's the rule and I broke it, I'm actually taking full responsibility for that. But what I don't understand is why they are completely removing my entire account. Part of the issue I have is that, uh, part of the issue I have is that I've spent five to ten thousand dollars a year there over the last seven years, mostly for things for my business. I most recently bought a uh, laptop from there for fourteen hundred dollars, and I bought a six hundred dollars security system. So I've already spent two thousand dollars on not gamer club unlock related video game stuff, um, and I've also I bought another security system last uh, December, right before the end of the year. Uh, not to mention my washer and dryer there for my wedding, and also my dishwasher last year. So I buy appliances there. Uh, I just bought actually the monitor. I'm looking at right now i just bought this from them uh along with my other monitors i use my uh, actually the mouse keyboard i'm using right now i got from there and my bose headset so it's interesting to me that they canceled my entire account not just the gamer club unlock and i'm, I'm fully okay with losing gamer club if i broke the rules so unfortunately there's more to this story though and i think what's really happening and a few people have alluded to this in the comments and such but basically I think that they are going to discontinue the program from everybody. This was a way to not have to redeem or to reimburse the people that broke the terms of use. So they're wiping out all the people that broke the rules. And after that, then they're going to go in and say, you know what, we're discontinuing the program, but here's everyone's $30 back. I could see that happening. And I do see that happening in the next couple months here, if not sooner. Uh, so, but, but that's kind of a crappy way to do it, right? Like you were okay with us breaking these rules for years. Um, I've ordered multiple copies on multiple occasions for any tournament I run. I buy all my copies at Best Buy. Um, the, the tough part is when you're in the store, they ask you for your gamer club, you know, the phone number attached to it, you give it to them. However, when you're, <laughs> when you're online, you can't not use your gamer club unlock. I buy everything through them online for either in-store pickup or for delivery. So I can't say, oh, I'm already at three copies of this game, so I don't want my discount on the fourth one. That's not an option. And so basically their website is not great. It's kind of junk, and they couldn't do it, which is also why I think they banned everyone's accounts instead of just taking away Gamer Club. I have a feeling that their system wasn't set up to do that. And uh, that's terrible. And uh, they should have done that instead of trying to punish the customer. Uh, now, what I find interesting is I did call their customer service and I'm currently on like the fourth or fifth supervisor waiting a call back. And since they deleted my account, when I called into customer service, they said, oh, well, what happened was you violated Gamer Club Unlock. That's why your account got deleted. And I said, okay, well, but why i'm like but can't you see how much money i've spent there on non-gamer club stuff shouldn't that buy me a little bit of 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 loyalty with your company since i've been showing loyalty to you to which they replied well i can't see your history because your account's been deleted uh, so when i went online i also cannot see my purchase history so uh, i have already paid for games in advance through paypal to Best Buy for pre-orders for the rest of the year. I can't access those orders. I don't know if they've gone through. I don't know if they've been canceled, but I haven't seen money come back to my PayPal account. So there's a whole bunch of weird things going on here. You can't access your online account to see your warranties that you have on things. Uh, you can't, uh, and like I said, you can't see my purchase history, which I, which I use for tax purposes. For instance, like I said, I bought the computer monitors for my store. I've bought computer equipment and also 
um, my security system. So if I don't keep, if I didn't keep the emailed receipts, which I have to hopefully go back and see that I did, uh, then I have to basically try to remember everything I bought or go through my credit card statement or my PayPal statement and pull all the purchases from there, which is really obnoxious. Like why would you delete someone's purchase history on, on their account? It just makes no sense. And so, but we, like I said, we know the reason it's clearly because their website's not equipped to handle taking away a feature. Uh, part of my other issue was that the Gamer Club Unlock was an add-on to my Best Buy account. I had a Best Buy account first. I added Gamer Club to it. Getting uh, kicked out of Gamer Club should not have affected the rest of my account. It really makes no sense. Mostly for this reason. When it first happened, I was actually really upset. I, I was it, Sunday. I got. I read it Sunday was the first day I read the email, and I got really upset because I felt like I was being punished. I felt like. Uh, I was being scorned and I was being told that I was being a bad customer, which I don't like. And so I was really upset and I was kind of ranting a little bit about it. And then I realized, okay, well, actually what's funny is I'm not going to chase these guys to be their customer. I don't give a, I don't give a crap. So I'm just going to stop shopping there. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be that simple. And I think a lot of people are going to come to the same conclusion. So I understand that Best Buy was losing money on the Gamer Club Unlock program. We talked about that uh, when we did the story a couple weeks ago or last time. But we, but with that all said, it shouldn't have affected the rest of my account. And, and so I, I understand Best Buy was losing money. They couldn't upkeep it. But this is the absolute worst way to handle the situation. What they should have done was reduced the discount to 10%. Uh, because they said the terms could change anytime. Reduce the discount to 10%. You stop losing money. You still get to keep all your customers because everyone's still going to do that 10% over going to GameStop or Walmart or, or anything. I mean, Amazon may have stolen people away then, but Amazon's limiting what they do 20% on, which uh, obviously that'll go away soon uh, now that Best Buy isn't a competitor. But you can do all these things, or you could send out a mass email. They could have warned all of their customers that you were violating rules, and if it happens again, you'll be kicked out. They could have done that, and they didn't. So it is... Um, very interesting how they chose to handle the situation. Uh, also, since they can't view, like when I call customer service and you can't view, they couldn't see my past history. They didn't know if I was telling the truth or not. I could lie and say I spent $100,000 last year and they wouldn't be able to verify that, which is them. It basically Best Buy as a company set up their customer service to fail. They didn't give them the tools to succeed uh, in a situation like this, which was going to be really dirty. And you can tell, I mean, I'd love to see a leaked memo of this somewhere, but you can tell that these customer service people were told why they were banned and they are meant to give no sympathy. They're not meant to say anything. It doesn't matter how much money has been spent. They are just a hard line drawing it right here being like, this is it. This is... This is why it happened, and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't redeem it. You can't bring the account back. And again, I'm waiting for my final supervisor call here, but I'm pretty sure they'll say the same thing, that, you know, oh, you got kicked out for, for beating this. As to which, I'm going to pose the question, so because of buying more than three copies of game on multiple occasions, you're going to negate the five to $10,000 I spent a year on other things. Like, you don't care about that at all. 
And that's what I'll ask them. Um, and I'm sure that they'll say, yeah, I'm sorry. We do appreciate your business. We hope to keep you, but we can't do anything about it. And that's what I'm pretty sure. But again, uh, I'm not even worried about the the points or the reward certificates or the Gamer Club Unlock. But it seemed a little strange to me and such a terrible customer service move to just completely wipe out my whole account. Not being able to see my warranty information, not being able to see my pre-orders that I've already paid for, and not being able to see my previous history... Very weird stuff. And again, I don't think that was by design. I think that was the only way that they could do it. And they chose right now to make a PR move because Best Buy has been doing okay. They were really in the toilet like five to seven years ago. And Gamer Club, along with other things, the push to price match in stores really helped them out a lot. Um, and I was being a loyal customer to them in the, you know, they call they called the Gamer Club Unlock essentially is what we call in the business like a loss leader. You take loss on an item to get people in the store to buy other things. They were taking a loss with me on video games to get me in the store to which their plan worked and I rewarded them with purchasing all my appliances there my TVs there and my work equipment there so um, you know so an interesting kind of take on it uh, and again there's no proof that they did this all on purpose because they're gonna cancel it on people but it I feel like it's pretty clear the writings on the wall of what's gonna happen and a lot of people have been affected by this and negatively now there there's obviously horror stories here and and i understand why best buy had to do some of this stuff because i'm sure that some stores like some indie and I, and I say this as someone who owns a used game store i i'm sure there were some stores out there who were buying games from best buy at 20 percent off and selling them at full retail in their store we have a distributor who we go through and it costs us about 54 dollars to get a game that sells for 60 it's not a great deal, but when it's a big popular game like God of War, we had a bunch of copies of that because we knew they'd sell, and other things and stuff, and, and so on and so forth. But, <laughs> so my problem is, yes, if a store was buying 100 copies of a game and Best Buy was losing a ton of money on that and that store was making money on it, I understand that. But why did they not insert some sort of limit or, or some sort of program to track this and to issue a warning, and if it happens again, you're gone? Nothing like that. Um, also, what apparently was happening was in the case of returns, it doesn't negate that item as one of the three sold during a return. So many times, uh, I actually had this happen to me, which actually would have been, I don't think it would have broke the three limit, but it would have put me at the three limit. Um, I bought a couple copies, and they both came in their bubble mailers, and they were both loose. So I would return those two copies to Best Buy and order two more. It happened with the Yakuza Collector's Edition I was getting because they kept coming all banged up. So realistically, with some of those, and, and a lot of times I would order two because I figured one would come banged up. So if I order two and they both come banged up, I was canceling those two and ordering more. And so I, that's probably part of where my issue came from as well, along with knowingly purchasing multiple copies for my tournaments. So that, that's really frustrating to me. Uh, because they're obviously not even looking at this. It doesn't matter what the reason is. If you call Best Buy, they can't view your old account to verify that information is true. They just had a, a computer go through and tag everybody who did it, and then they just instantly sent out this email and kicked everyone off. So Best Buy, you've really, really screwed this up because you've let your customer service people, you've left them hanging in the wind. You've you've pissed off customers that spent thousands to tens of thousands of dollars in your store on non-gaming related stuff and as far as i'm concerned they've burned me as a customer for life and i certainly won't be going back so uh after that little mini rant which i actually thought i, I did pretty good we want to move on now to the atari box so the atari box if you don't know it's now called the atari vcs the uh it is made by atari 
you know, the company that owns the name to Atari, and they were basically making some sort of device. And I've done other videos on this. If you haven't seen it, basically, I think it's vaporware. I don't think it's actually going to come out. And it's basically a Raspberry Pi wrapped up to look like an Atari 2600, feeding off of the nostalgia we feel for our classic games like the Atari 2600. So the Indiegogo campaign finally started. So the, pr the pre-order system they talk about, which is actually crowdfunding. I don't like when they talk about pre-orders. It's crowdfunding. Your money is going right to pay for the production of this thing. And if production ever happens, you don't get your money back. But okay, that's beside the point. But we have right here $2.5 million raised by 9,030 uh, backers. So that's they're over their goal of... Initially, their goal was $100,000. Now, I'm going to start on that right away because that's a ridiculous goal. They would have never had enough, or never would have had enough money. But there's this little thing here called a flexible goal. And look at this. This campaign will receive all funds raised even if it does not reach its goal. Okay, so that's why they set such a low goal. So if by some crazy chance they didn't get to 100000 they were still walking away with some money. Um, and that's kind of what Indiegogo is uh, is a little more known for with this flexible goal as opposed to something like Kickstarter where if it doesn't meet the goal, no money is dished out. So anyway, we have the Atari VCS. Uh, you can game, stream, and connect like never before. It's a gaming and home entertainment streaming device with open platform and uh, for creativity and customization. So we start talking about it. You know, here's their little overview. You know, hey, it returns to the living room. Atari's back. That's their big thing. Um, they've got this video up here, which um, I'm going to try to describe to you. I'm going to kind of let it play. Obviously, the people um, on the podcast won't be able to see it. But basically, it's showing the Atari, and there's some guy some really good marketing firm created this great video to kind of talk about the marketing and everything. But there's a specific point I wanted to talk about here. Um, and again, aesthetically, it's it's incredible. I, I, I think this thing looks really good. I've always said that. In fact, looking at it, I want to buy it <laughs> because it looks, it looks cool. I do like it. Um, so let me get to the guy here so I can pause it here. So, okay, well, a little too far. Okay, <laughs> perfect, perfect pause. So we got Marcus DJ Wheat Graham, who is the director of Twitch Studios. So this this bearded douche is the director of Twitch Studios talking about initially talking about how uh, Atari, it's so cool to see Atari back in the living room and talking about the nostalgic feelings it has. OK, I'm with you on that. Um, it does instill nostalgic feelings in many people and is cool. So uh, and I'm going to bounce around a little bit here, but I'm going to kind of zip down to the bottom because one of the things I noticed when they started talking about features, um, which this spec sheet I'm gonna I'm gonna eat up later too, we start talking about the features down here, and one of the features here is live streaming. Yes, it does live streaming. Yes, with Twitch TV. So it live streams directly to Twitch. Oh, how interesting. Okay, so. So, uh, so this guy, this guy has all these awesome things to say about it, who happens to be the director of Twitch Studios, has this amazing interview of someone who's, this is basically like the biggest person, the most amount of cred this, this one person has on their video, talking about how awesome the Atari VCS is, and he's the director of Twitch Studios, who literally has a deal with the Atari VCS to essentially be the exclusive streaming device from it. Okay, you know, I, I trust that a whole lot. So anyway, that's shady garbage. So we're going to kind of just dip through this. Uh, we're going to go through it and um, we'll just whatever. You know, it is what it is. At a glance, the Atari VCS, you can play games. <laughs> 
You can stream your favorite web-based video and content like Netflix and Hulu. Wow, that's impressive. I've never had any device in my house that can do that before. Uh, you can connect. Get online and get more with Atari's first connected device. Asterix. Subscription required for advanced services. Like what? Are they talking about cloud storage or, or an online service for the Atari? I'm sure you don't have to pay to play games online through the Atari. Or do you? Um, customize. Port or create new content into and apps into the integrated Linux sandbox. Uh, so you can make things in Linux like you can on a Linux computer. Uh, it has voice control technology. Uh, and so that's some stuff. And again, this is my issue with the Atari VCS is they're still so vague. So we're, we're they're saying that this is going to launch in the spring of 2019. So we're eight months away from a launch and we know nothing concrete about it. It's everything's so vague and, and people are just plunking down mad money in this. Now, real quickly, I do want to just calculate something with my trusty calculator here. And we're going to take that. 2.5 million and we're going to divide that by the 9800 backers and basically the average person spent 255 bucks on this uh, on this deal so um, now that we're back here uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the prices so we have if you look on the right side here the Atari VCX so the Onyx edition is uh, 199 it's special price is normally $299, but hey, if you spend your money on a device that doesn't technically exist yet, you have a chance to get $100 off. I mean, what a deal that is. Uh, expected time, limited time waitlist offer, 33% off. You get the VCX Onyx, and 1,400 people have taken advantage of that deal of the 10,000. So then there's the next one. For $299, you get the Indiegogo Limited Wood Grain Edition, the spinny little job you over here. Um, you get the wood grain version and you get the joystick now the wood grain version essentially this joystick you'll see later down is basically a $30 accessory so they're saying for 70 more dollars from this one you get the wood grain panel on the front so you want to pay 70 bucks for a wood wood grain panel on the front that's pretty cool huh um <laughs> and then you roll down yep here's the joystick by itself for 29 so take that away it's 279 or 269.99 Wait, is that right? No, it's two. Yeah, 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 two seventy. Yeah, so you take that off. So it's two seventy, uh, and then so it's yeah, seventy bucks more. Uh, and then you've got their controller, which I do like. Their modern controller, I think the design is really good, aesthetically pleasing. Both of these accessories are done by Power A, who they make a lot of off-brand accessories for PS4 and Xbox One, and their controllers are actually all right. They're much better manufactured than some of the previous off-brand accessory makers were. So I actually think it'll be a pretty decent controller. But fifty dollars for an off-brand wireless controller I, I i'm not buying that not when a dualshock brand new or an xbox brand new controller is 60 dollars um but it is you know okay so that's that's that there's only this many left i don't know if that means how many bought it <laughs> uh i would assume they had ten thousand. <laughs> maybe they sold 200 and i don't know um then there's a two-pack where hey you get this there's only 8400 of those so the two-pack though if you get that you basically save 20 bucks so you're okay that's a good deal if you want to do that um, and then, you know, here's the, uh, 199 for the black and then you get 220, which wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's the early bird again. So then 229, basically they're saying you buy the system, you get the joystick for the same price. It doesn't give you any sort of discount. Um, if you buy them together, you don't get any discount that was offered better than, uh, well, technically that's a worse deal because up here 
you can get the two controllers for $59, and then you buy the system for $199. That puts you at, uh, you know, $258 um, instead of this deal here. So why would anyone do this one? That doesn't really make any sense. Uh, and then there's this one, which is the $300 wood grain. But the $300 wood grain up here that uh, that came with one controller was $300. Uh, so they're saying for an extra 40 bucks you get the extra controller. So, you know, that's actually that actually has some sort of deal. So, okay. So then we have multiple studio partners. This is another thing I want to talk about. We have uh, we have Eden Games. Uh, don't never heard of them. Workman, never heard of them. This is a logo with no name. Don't know what that means. Uh, Gameaholics SE, never heard of them. Code Mystics, never heard of them. React Games, never heard of them. Play Magic, never heard of them. Uh... That's like a bug. Monster Games, never heard of them. Uh, Invisio Creators, never heard of them. Petroglyph, never heard of them. Kung Fu Factory, I feel like I have heard of them, but I can't remember what they've done. Uh, Origin 8, never heard of them. And Llamasoft, never heard of them. So they got some really awesome multiple studio partners here. That's that's a pretty big deal. Uh, then we want to talk about, uh, you know, there's going to be 100 plus classic target games preloaded. Very cool. Uh, that's awesome. I have no problem with that, but it's an emulator. Let's not like get crazy. You know, it's just, it's just an emulator. I mean, it's, it's whatever. Here, here's what the menu is going to look like. It's, it looks like a very well done, uh, emulator <laughs> and it's fine. And that's fine. I have no problem with emulators. Um, but you know, these hundred games you can play a million other places. Uh, and, and Atari has released multiple, like they even do those flashback systems. You can play all these games in those plug and play flashback systems for 30 bucks. So it's not, there's nothing new there. Um, so we have an open and secure platform for endless possibility. Uh, Atari loves the passionate and dedicated creators and collectors out there who have kept our classic consoles alive. Access Linux sandbox, add more storage via cloud or USB. So you can run external drives. I mean, of course it runs Linux, run multiple operating systems at once, load homebrew games or customize your own unique platform. So here's a couple of things. It has a AMD Radeon processor runs Linux. Uh, it has low TDP architecture. Comparable with most, uh, compatible with most PC peripherals, that is cool, Bluetooth and wired USB. Entertainment system connectivity, so obviously it can be used as like a streaming device to other things. Smart home integration. Um, this, this is actually more funny than anything. This is just me picking on it, so you know, if, if you consider this part of the show petty, it is. Uh, incredible retro futuristic design. So for the people on the podcast at home uh, listening, it shows some pictures of like the original hand-drawn Atari looks beautiful, you know, like, like sketches of the original design. Then it shows sketches that look like they were maybe done by a five-year-old <laughs> to trying to show what this, what it's going to look like, what this new one's going to look like. So I'm looking at this and like this red one here is my favorite. Um, basically it looks like I drew it and I have no artistic ability whatsoever. It, it is not proportionate. It looks just terrible. And this was used as like a, hey, this could be the design of the Atari. Like, th who drew these? You couldn't afford like an actual hardware design spec? Or was this like one of the CEOs just being like, ooh. Um, anyway, so it looks terrible. It looks, the, the red one, to anyone at home listening, I'm trying to describe it. The red one looks kind of like, if you took what the Atari VCS looks like and then pancaked one side because the person doesn't understand perspective and like it, it just looks rough. Like it looks like someone looked at the Atari VCS and said, I can draw that in 10 seconds, time me. And then they drew in 10 seconds. Getting to this next picture here, 
they brag about no raw edges. It has a holistic ecosystem with no raw edges. That's cool. If you get the special edition, it says real wood front panel. I Okay, I guess it's real wood. I will wait and see. But this is my favorite picture here. The Ravine silhouette. So at home, imagine the front of an Atari is a little more like almost 90 degree angle. And this one shows, it shows 1977 and it shows like this crappy angle. And then it shows 2017. Ooh, it's more curved. It's a more refined silhouette. Like it's such a stupid thing to brag about. I don't even understand why they would bother. Um, this I thought was interesting. So the classic joystick, I do like the design of this and I like how it instills that retro feeling. It also can be used to navigate your menus. Like if you're streaming on TV and stuff. So that is cool. It makes sense. It's more like a remote that way. So, okay. I have no problem with that. Modern Atari controller, again, like the aesthetic, looks very good. Uh, $50, though, and I don't, I don't know where the $50 is coming out of that, uh, especially for an off-brand peripheral. Um, it's And it's basically just going to be a USB device. Uh, it connects via Bluetooth or USB to the Atari VCS or to your PC. Um, the uh, You could say you can use your own peripherals on it. There's what the back of the VCS looks like, so a couple USB ports. AC, there's a reset button, micro SD card slot, HDMI out, Ethernet port, and then of course the USBs for external drives. Uh, here we're talking about the day one special get wood grain edition, whatever. Uh, here it was recently uh, talked about in a bunch of magazines. Uh, this one's my favorite. Atari could Atari could have a real winner on its hand. It could. Atari could. I could win the lottery tomorrow. <laughs> Atari could. Um, uh, yeah, winning over many Gen X converts. <laughs> what? Okay. Might look retro, but there's a lot of modern day editions. Yes, these are facts. These aren't like, these aren't positive things. I hate when they take things out of context. Um, the vintage look of the Atari VCS has had fans excited. It doesn't say it excited him. It says it has had fans excited. Uh, Atari's new console is a true all-in-one entertainment system. Um, yeah, I guess. Far more than just another retro gaming crash cash grab. Like, so did someone ask that question? Like, do you think it's a cash grab? He's like, well, it's far more than another retro gaming cash grab. Blah, blah, blah. Um, a retro inspired console with a few new bells and whistles. Again, it's a fact. Yes, that's those are all true things. Um, uh, while it has a facade of a retro console, the guts of the Atari VCS are more in line with uh, the requirements of modern gaming. Uh, so that's what all these people are saying. Uh, and then they show the people that that had the quotes, even though they put them here, they also, to beef it up a little bit, put their actual logos here. Um, here it tells you what's in the box. You get the system, an HDMI cable, power cord, and a quick start guide. That's what we call bare bones. Uh, and then optional accessories. Here we go. Uh, oh, it's the perfect gift for gamers and entertainment fans and tech enthusiasts. Worldwide delivery and one-year global warranty. Uh, well, to make that warranty work, you have to actually deliver a product first. Now, one thing I will say, as I'm just bashing all over this thing, one thing I will say is that with it raising this much money, there's a much better chance it will actually come out. And, and that makes me a little hopeful for the people that have plunked money down. I'm, I'm nervous for people who have kicked, uh, who have backed this on Indiegogo because I, I'm worried it won't actually come out. However, with $2.5 million funneled into this company, at least they'll have enough money. They should to get this thing off the ground and to get it in people's hands. So that is good. If it only made the hundred thousand dollars or less, I'd have said this thing's dead in the water. It'll never come out. Now there's at least a chance they have enough money in their company. They had an influx of cash enough to be able to say that they can 
keep working on this through completion, I believe. So I'll, I'll give them that. I'll, I won't destroy them for that. Um, and uh, let's just get back to the bottom here. So there were a couple other things that irked me about the specs. And then we're going to move on because, quite frankly, the, who cares about this thing? <laughs> Very few people. So I like this because... We start talking about this, the, the peripherals technical specs. Okay, so these are technical specs. The system, here's the dimensions. It weighs three pounds, plastic, metal, wood. Okay, we're all good. Operating system, Linux, you know, power. Low TDP architecture, less heat and noise. That's not a, that's not a technical spec. That's not a technical spec, okay? The technical spec would be the, the wattage and the, the power consumption, stuff like that. Less heat and noise. That's, this is not, that's not that. Tells you about your connections, your external inputs, your storage, um, which, uh, you know, whatever. You have to add your own anyway. It looks like it has 32 gigs built in, though, which is cool. Uh, it tells you what GPU and CPU it is. Um, cloud storage, yes, additional service offerings. So you're not going to get free cloud storage with anything. You have to pay for that. Uh, does not require internet connection. Uh, you can cross game chat with Skype and Discord. Uh, you know, duh. Um for front-facing mic array uh let's see subscription needed no it includes cloud and other services so i don't know if that means that you don't need a subscription for cloud and other services or i don't know what that means uh live streaming again yes with twitch tv with with the douchebag at the top that we looked at in the video and keyboard and mouse support yes again because it's a linux micro pc so these are things you know but whatever this is my favorite part though the controllers Feature, center joystick, yes it does. Does it have a trigger button? Yes it does. Does it have a reactive LED ring? Well, yes it does. But of course, why would they put anything on here that's a feature? Now this says technical specs, and this says features. So I don't understand how the weight's a feature. Like this whole thing is like, it's, it's, it's built up to look like something real and it's fake. Like it just, it feels so fake and so disingenuous to me. And I say this not as somebody who hates Atari. Like, I, I'm not an Atari hater. I don't, I just, I'm trying to protect consumers who may not look that deep into the stuff. And this is one of them. And does it have a reactive LED ring? Oh, yes, it does. Well, of course, they're only going to put things in here that has them. You know, like, they're not going to say, does it have three joysticks that are all wireless and you can control it with your brain? No. Hmm. Oh, darn. It doesn't have that. No, of course not. This is my other favorite part, though. Now, this is the modern controller. These are the technical specs. Does it have left and right joysticks? Yes! Does it have left and right triggers? Yes! Does it have left and right shoulder buttons? Yes! Does it have home menu buttons? It sure does! Does it have a D-pad? Oh, hell yeah! It's got a D-pad! Does it have four function buttons? Well, let me count. Hold, hold on, let me count. It has four, yes, count them, four function buttons. Does it have an ergonomic grip? Well, of course, hell, yes, it does. That's not a technical spec. These are features. Just call them features. Like right here, it says features, and this says spec. The hell does that mean? So your feature is this, and the spec is that it has it? That's not how features and tech specs work. Um, and anyone listening, sorry that's hard because you can't see it, but it's, imagine a tech spec sheet where it has the you know one side is what it is like power and the other side would be 10 amps um eight volts whatever but this just says features lr joysticks and then the spec is yes <laughs> it's so stupid um 
Here's where we learned that Power A is the developer or the, the hardware producer for the uh, controllers. I actually, I'm okay with that. Power A is uh, not too bad. Um, this is my favorite part though. Why launch Atari VCS pre-orders on a crowdfund program uh, platform? That's a great question. Um, Atari enjoyed a market leading and pioneering position in console, arcade, and home video gaming throughout the 1980s and 90s. Uh, market leading in the 90s, that's a hell of a stretch, but sorry, going on. What hasn't changed and still lives on today is the enduring passion of countless gaming fans for the brand and its products. Today's Atari is a progressive company made up of hardcore Atari fans like so many of you. The all-new Atari VCS project has been ideated, created, and developed by Atari to create the same spirit, heritage, and DNA of the original. It is also well-funded, but we want and need to connect with new fans while having a dialogue with all of you as we continue to develop this exciting new Atari device. Community is the one word that stayed on our whiteboard for months. You, the community, are what keeps our brand and its legendary lineups of games and hardware alive. We want to recapture the energy and transformative excitement that the original 20, uh, Atari 2600 brought to life in thousands of living rooms, but do it with a completely new Atari connected device and offer new digital entertainment experiences. This is where the Indiegogo campaign comes in. Atari VCS team seeks to work closely with the Atari fan community and gaming industry to prove to the world that the all-new Atari VCS has what it takes to go from interesting to epic. The Indiegogo partnership helps us to reach out and connect with highly engaged community members and is a perfect vehicle to directly involve both existing and new Atari fans. This project is a dynamic and evolving and this crowdfunding strategy will help us verify the community's ongoing interest and support, bring new fans into the fold, and gather the feedback we need to make the Atari VCS the best gaming and entertainment device it can possibly be. So that was a lot to take in, sorry. But the reason I read all that was because they're basically saying the reason they crowdfunded this was because they wanted the community input. And that's so not true. Like, don't lie about it. Say that you're a company that doesn't have a ton of money. It's ta You're taking a risk. You're not sure if a lot of people want it. We'll make it if people want it. Boom. That's the truth. Just do it that way. Try Stop trying to say, like, that, you know, the whole reason Atari was big was because of community. And we wanted the community to give us money because of Atari and your love for Atari. You know, just give us money. You know, just give us money. So why Indiegogo? Real resources, real followers, and real desire. Indiegogo has been genuinely passionate about the Atari VCS at every stage of its development. It is going to be incredibly helpful in building the new audience relationships. We need to finalize this product over the next several months and bring it to life in a big way. So they're saying Indiegogo because of how passionate Indiegogo was about it. Had nothing to do with the whole flex, you know, flex thing where if they don't earn their goal, they still get to keep the cash. Nothing to do with that, of course. Uh, and then here's a quick little timeline. Uh, we're already at the pre-order campaign. Apparently, quarter three, we'll see a second prototype. They'll do their design testing, product testing, final testing in quarter four, manufacturing in quarter four after final testing finishes, then shipping, shipping in quarter one, and then it says quarter two pre-orders arrive. So what, what does that mean? Like, so it takes one whole quarter from quarter one to quarter two to arrive. I don't understand that. And then mid 2019 will be a product available worldwide. Uh, oh, dates are scheduled as subject to change due to unforeseen circumstances. Yeah, duh. And then here's a bunch of the, the dinks that, uh, that work at Atari. So, um, you know, and I guess lastly, there's just one little comment I have to pick on somebody, unfortunately, and hopefully he's not a listener and a fan of our channel. Cause I, I do mean this in the nicest possible way, but I went to the comments and I'm just reading because 
I wanted to understand like what the customers and people who backed this think. So um, this person here, Bruce Bruce McCarthy, seems like a good fella. Don't know him personally, but he says. The Atari 2600 was my first video game system, followed by an Atari 800XL and eventually the Atari Jaguar. Really glad to support Atari once again. So after the Atari Jaguar, you still want to support these guys? Now, I know people who come into my store who support the Jaguar. They like the Jaguar because it has, you know, nostalgic feelings for them. But nobody looks at the Jaguar and comments on it being a really good system. Like, people, even people I talk to that like the Jaguar, and I know I'm going to get a little flack this from a few customers who, who listen to this are going to be like, come on, man, like, I like the Jaguar a lot. I'm like, I know you do, but most of that is like nostalgic feelings for games you had when you were younger. Very few to any of those games hold up and are playable at all today. Very, very few. Um, uh, yeah, and then something like this, like, I hope that any upgrade offered will be done in such a way that they will be made that is or, for someone who's already been ordered. I won't need to cancel my original order to get to upgrade or something. You know, there's a lot of weird questions. So this one, for me, almost all the Atari family has been part of my experience. The 2600, the XL, XE, XEGS, ST, STE, Falcon, Lynx, and Jaguar. This this person buys everything Atari, and I guess that's especially who this who this is is being uh, sold to. You know, they're looking for these diehard Atari fans, which I know exist out there. I talk to a lot of them on a daily basis. And I don't have a problem with them liking this. I don't have a problem with them enjoying it. And if you love Atari, that's great. I'm not knocking you for loving Atari. All I'm saying is, I really think it's, it's, it's tough to try to argue that the Atari made the best systems through the 80s and 90s. I just don't see where that argument would come from. In fact, they caused the video game crash of the early 80s and through terrible business practices and often is the reason why Nintendo had to be so crazy when they first opened up here with limiting the amount of games that developers could release and all that sort of stuff. It, it, all these weird things came up because they were trying to rebuild a market that Atari essentially destroyed um, along with the other competitors and stuff at the time. But anywho, that is the Atari VCS. This is just more in detail about the Indiegogo campaign. I have no, uh, I have no interest whatsoever. What's that banner at the top here? What does it say? Turn Netflix and chill to date night with our romantic collection. What is this? I don't know what that is. <laughs> well, whatever it is, it's hilarious. Um, cool. So that was the Atari VCS. If you like it and you want to put the money down, go ahead. I'm worried that it won't come out, but obviously with it earning this much money, there's a much better chance of it coming out. Don't trust this guy. DJ Wheat Graham, this dude looks shady and he was only giving promotion to this thing for the video as a cross-marketing ploy because they made a deal with Twitch. Ah, that's dirty stuff. I don't like that. All right. Now, moving on to Rockstar. Uh, Rockstar Games, obviously their biggest game since GTA 5, their only game, I guess, since GTA 5 coming out is Red Dead Redemption 2. It's coming out at the end of this year looks incredible it's very high on my list of games i need to play and want to very much play and so yesterday they announced all of the collector's edition so first they they talked about how they're doing a special edition it's 80 bucks includes a copy of the game extra story content exclusive horses weapons outfits and in-game events i don't like that also included our character stat cash and gameplay boosts and an extra story mission called the bank robbery mission now extra missions as a pre-order bonus always frustrate me but when it's in a 20 dollars more expensive version just to get extra one of our story extras 
I really don't like that. And it's a bank robbery mission, which I would assume in a Western game there were going to be a lot of bank robbery missions. And if this is like the only one, you have to pay $80 to get it. I really don't like this. This is really, really frustrating. Um, so then you go down to the Ultimate Edition, which is 100 bucks, includes the game and all of the other stuff, Story Mode Extras, plus more DLC, specifically for use in the game's online modes. These are another horse, more outfits, weaponry, and a survivor camp theme. Also included is a rank boost to help you get to level 25 faster. Um, so, okay. And then uh, they also give you extra money for Grand Theft Auto Online, like 500000 1 million, or 2 million for the Ultimate Edition. And then this was also... At first, I thought it was cool, and then I quickly jumped off the cool train. Collector's Edition box, 100 bucks, comes with a jigsaw puzzle, playing cards, handkerchief, uh, a map, some other stuff. Uh, however, you do not get a copy of the game itself. <laughs> you do not, however, you do not get a copy of the game itself. Um, so, and it's, you can buy it. It's just a collectible box with no game inside. The last time I saw this happen was with the uh, Dead Space 3 Collector's Edition. It was called the Dev Edition, where they made like, I think, 3,000 total. And they didn't include the game, but it had all this extra Dead Space stuff in it. And I think their thought is, if you pack this without a game, you just make them all the same. You don't have to make two or three SKUs for the PC, PS4, Xbox One editions. But I don't know. It's it's really odd to me how they did this. And, and it's it's only $100 for all this extra crap, but you don't get the game. So realistically, this is a $160 collector's edition. Except that in this, you also don't get any of the codes since you don't get the game. So really, if you want the ultimate Grand, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 collector's box, you have to pay $100 for this plus $100 for the ultimate edition to get all the DLC stuff. So Red Dead Redemption 2's ultimate collector's edition with all DLC and everything is $200. Uh, pass. So I'll buy my $60 game because I still think it's going to be fun. But that's, yeah, that's that. You know, Let's take a look at some of the comments. Uh, yeah, they've released more pre-order details in the actual game. <laughs> uh, let's see. You know, you know. I remember a time when Rockstar was in the, well, wasn't like that. And unfortunately, it seems like GTA Online has proven to them how much money they make off that sort of stuff. And and how disappointing. But anyway, not not a long story there. Just uh, just a sad, sad short story about uh, Red Dead Redemption Two and its DLC manipulation through paying more money. Now I want to get to the E3, um, I don't want to say predictions, right? Because like I talked at the start of the show, I don't like to do predictions necessarily, but what I do like to do is talk about what I want. So these are, these are Greg's wants for E3. These aren't like, these aren't, uh, you know, things I think are going to happen. I have seen no evidence or proof of this. This is all just my, what I want. Okay. So it, some of this stuff's going to be far-fetched and some of it's not. But uh, let's take a look. So we're just going to go through the press conferences here. So starting Saturday, I don't know why Saturday, E3 doesn't technically start till like Monday, but Saturday and Sunday, I guess EA wanted to get a jump. So we got EA. What do I want to see from EA? I want to see maybe the comeback of Star Wars 1313, which won't happen, but that's what I want to see. Uh, I'd like to see Star Wars Battlefront 3, but not the Battlefront 3 from DICE. <laughs> I'd like to see a Battlefront 3 like... The original ones we saw videos four years ago that got canceled. Uh, I would like to see a new Dragon Age. Um, I think that could be cool. Maybe the team that worked on Andromeda would be working on uh, 
on, on Dragon Age, even though uh, Inquisition, I thought, was the weakest in the series. Uh, what else from EA? Maybe maybe Battlefield BR mode. See how EA is going to attack Battle Royale with, uh, with Battlefield. Because it's the one game, it seems, their maps are big enough, too, where you could do a BR on those kind of maps. So I'm very curious to see if they decide to jump in on that. Uh, Sunday, we have Microsoft first. What would I like to see from Microsoft? I would like to hear about Crackdown 3, which, whether it's going to be any good or not, that's a totally different story, but I'd like to hear about that. I would love to hear them come out and say that Scalebound is back on. Uh, that was a Platinum Games game where it looked like you were uh, like riding a dragon and stuff. It looked really awesome. And then... Um, from what else from Microsoft? I don't know. Um, more backwards compatibility. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see uh, a whole slew of original Xbox and 360 games added to it. I love the backwards compatibility that the Xbox is doing. Being more of a Sony guy, I don't have a lot of nice things to say about Microsoft this generation. One of them is backwards compatibility, though, and they do it. They've been doing it really well. So I hope they maintain that, keep that going, because that's one of the few pluses they have over Sony at this uh, at this moment along with the Game Pass and the, and stuff like that. I'd also like to see the Game Pass expanded to all those original Xbox games and stuff like that. I think they're really neat. Um, what else from Microsoft? I mean, a new Halo game doesn't excite me. New Gears doesn't excite me. Maybe Forza Horizon 4, but rumor has it that studio is working on maybe a new Fable RPG. So I also don't care about Fable. Uh, never really liked them. Um, so I have no really interest there. Uh, Bethesda. So we know they're going to talk about Fallout 76. So what I'd like to know about Fallout 76 is perhaps, I guess I'd like to know, obviously I want to know more about the game, but I also, if it is true that it's an online kind of survival-based multiplayer game, I think there's some real fun that could be had there. I'm excited for it. But if they came out and announced that Fallout 76 is a straight-up all-new single-player Fallout game, sign me up for that too. I have no problem with that. Devolver Digital, all I'm looking forward to from them is a ridiculous show. So Devolver, if you if you get a chance, go on YouTube and look up devolver digitals e3 2017 and they did this hilarious making f video that was making fun of real presentations and it had somebody walking on the stage and it it's just a ride i don't want to ruin anything for you but devolver's taking this stance as we're anti we're anti the big publishers we're not going to do things we're going to make fun of them you know like poking fun at everything that the big guys do that's so scripted and terrible so I just want to see something similar to that, even though my understanding is it's live this time. So I don't know if they can have the same sort of magic they had last year when it was not live because they did some wacky stuff. Um, and then you roll into Monday, and Monday has Square Enix up first. Uh, obviously, I want to see... What I'd like to see is I'd like to see Dragon Quest X coming to the States. That's the Dragon Quest MMO. I want to see that. I definitely want to see Dragon Quest Eleven, which I'm sure we'll see it, but I want to see more details about it. And then, uh, obviously, want to see Final Fantasy VII Remake. I want to see that. Uh, Kingdom Hearts, I'm not a big fan of, so that's okay if you want to see it. I just personally don't care. And uh, Square Enix, what else, Square Enix? Um, we'll see, obviously, more about Shadow of the Tomb Raider. I know it'll never happen, but I would love to see a Legacy of Kane announcement. A Legacy of Kane Soul Reaver reboot or a Soul Reaver continuation. You play as Kane Soul Reaver 3 or something ridiculous would be awesome like put that high on my list of things i'd want to see out of square enix um ubisoft is up after them which by the way uh if you guys watch us on youtube we will be doing all of monday i and jordan and a few others will be doing we're gonna be streaming this whole thing <laughs> so it's square enix ubisoft and the pc gaming show all of that will be um we will be streaming that 
um, starting at noon, and we'll be having a live stream going all the way through the Sony one. I actually won't be there for the Sony one, I don't think, but I'll be there for everything else. Ubisoft, uh, I'd like to see Watch Dogs 3, actually. Um, Watch Dogs 2 was an awesome improvement on the first one, and I'd like to see them continue that momentum. Also, a new Splinter Cell game uh, would be awesome, and um, don't care at all about Crew 2. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm looking back into my Ubisoft library, trying to see what else I might have. Um, I'd love to hear, uh, because the Crew 2 is not being done by um, by the studio that did Driver, so I'd like to see that. Maybe they're doing Driver. Maybe they're doing a new Driver. Uh, I'd like to see that very much, so hopefully we, we see that. Um, then the PC gaming show, I mean, that's just going to be a bunch of PC stuff. What I'd like to see would be, um, a new Blizzard game, which won't happen. Uh, I would love to see, uh, Half-Life 3. I don't know, I'm really reaching here for this, but again, this is what I want. This isn't necessarily what's going to happen. This is just what I want. Um, I'd love to see a Diablo 2 remake, uh, remaster, kind of like with Starcraft and, um, yeah, mostly Blizzard stuff, as you can tell. Um... Yeah, I guess that's about it, you know. I don't really have want for much else. Uh, and then Tuesday, June 12th, or excuse me, uh, Sony is at the end of Monday. So Sony, obviously, is being a Sony guy, I'm much anticipating this. We know they're going to show a lot of new information on Ghost of Tsushima, which I'm very, very interested in. That's Sucker Punch's new game, Who Made Infamous, and they're making like a, a Japanese open world game in uh, as a when you're a samurai in, in Japan. And it looks just incredible. So I want to hear more about that. But I also want to hear about Resident Evil 2 Remake. I want to hear about Devil May Cry 5, which I think we're going to see it both at the Sony conference be revealed. Um, not necessarily as exclusives, but Sony will have exclusive uh, like sharing rights on that. Uh, they'll talk about that first. So I think we'll see Sony with that. Uh, what I'd also like to see would be either a Demon Souls remaster or Bloodborne 2. Or both, <laughs> but I'd like to see one of those two. I think the team that did the remake of Shadow of the Colossus is probably working on a remake of Ico, if I had to guess. Um, we, so we could see something like that. I don't personally care for that. I'd rather see Demon Souls and Bloodborne. But uh, uh, yeah, so I'm expecting big things out of Sony. I think we might also see um, news about uh, like a slew of new VR games, which I don't necessarily care about. But uh, I'm trying to think what else. I know there was one other thing I was thinking. Now, this is what I'd like to see, but I don't think would happen. I'd like to see uh, some more information on their next console or like a Vita 2, which in a perfect world, I think the next PlayStation system could be a portable like the Switch that docks at home. I'd be totally okay with them copying Nintendo, but just saying. Um, and then Tuesday is the Nintendo Direct. So it's not technically an E3 presentation, but they do a Nintendo Direct Tuesday morning. And that one, uh, I guess I would like to see more on Metroid Prime 4, even though I'm just not much of a Prime guy. I would like to see a teaser for the new Zelda game, even though I know it's not going to happen. I know it's too far away. But I'd love to see some sort of just teaser, get our get our appetites going. And then I would... Uh, oh, I from Nintendo. I guess I want to know what's going on with the Star Fox IP. I'd like to see what's going on with the new Yoshi game. Um, obviously, Smash Brothers. I'm not a Smash Brothers fan at all, but it would still be nice to see what they plan for Smash. Uh, so we know what's going on. And I'd like to just kind of see what the rest of the year has in store for them. Uh, I'd like to know more about the actual Pokemon game that's coming out next year. Not the Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu. Um, yeah, and I guess that's about it. Uh, maybe a slim design or a redesign of the Switch. 
Uh, I think we'll start to see just non-dock versions released where they don't have the dock and they maybe slim down the packaging. Maybe we'll see a 199 switch without the dock and without all the bells and whistles. That'd be kind of cool, just a system and Joy-Cons, take out the little charge grip, take out the dock, slim the packaging down, might be able to get that to 199. Um, they probably won't, and realistically, they'd probably sell that closer to 249 because the switch is selling well, but that's still what I'd like to see. Um, also, I guess from Sony, I would like to see perhaps a price drop. Um, I'd love to see Sony get their new systems down to 199, like the slim 500 gigs and get the pros down to 299, but they're in a position of winning right now. There's not really a need to lower the price because they're already killing it, but that would push them in this final couple of years push. They have that would just propel them to the stratosphere and it wouldn't matter what Microsoft had going on. Um, and, and Jordan's really big on this. Me, not so much, but Microsoft, I could see them also going with their plans for VR. But now it's been a couple years since VRs hit the market, so I don't know how much of an impact that would have at this late in the game. But I could see them you know, finally dipping their toe in the water or something like that. Um, so anyway, that's kind of the big E3 press conferences. That's what I'm hoping to get out of it. So again, a little different. It's not my predictions. It's not my, it's not what I think is going to happen. I don't have any insider information. It's just, Hey, what does Greg want out of E3? And that's what it is. So thank you everybody as always for watching. I so appreciate it and listening. Um, the game we're going to talk about today. Hmm. Let's see here. The game we're going to talk about today you know, I feel like it's a big one, and it's probably obvious, but let's just get it out of the way. This is Chrono Trigger. If you don't know, this is Chrono Trigger. This is um, one of the best RPGs ever made. And, oh, let me switch back to big screen here. I'm, I'm, I'm being a terrible host today. So this is Chrono Trigger. Um, it is one of my favorite RPGs ever made. It, it is still as good today as it was the first day I played it. This is the first video game I ever skipped school to stay home and play. I had borrowed a friend's Super Nintendo and Chrono Trigger, and I said, you know what, I'm going to stay home sick from school today, and I'm going to do everything I can to beat Lavos early. Uh, I did not beat Lavos early, because you can fight him anytime you want after a certain point in the game. Um, it's It was kind of a dream team. It was the best uh, of Square. You know, you had the... The Dragon Ball artist obviously doing things. You had the Final Fantasy composers. You had like this just dream team. An incredible RPG. It has time travel. So it has futuristic. It has medieval. Uh, and then the battle system was turn-based essentially. But you had like cross attacks you could do. You had like this real-time attack meter that would fill. So it's not really turn-based. Or it's active, you know, real-time battle, whatever they call it. And, uh, and it was super, super good. Um, multiple endings as well. Now... I guess really quickly spoilers upcoming, but if you haven't played Chrono Trigger yet, like you can't not have spoilers, but turn it off right now. Cause I'm going to spoil something pretty big. So in Chrono Trigger, this is the only RPG I ever played where the main character dies. And then you can bring him back by obviously going through time and stuff. Right. Or you cannot, and you can finish the game without him and get a different ending. It's really interesting. So multiple branching endings, incredible rpg holds up exactly as it uh, as it did back then and it is uh unfortunately the chrono trigger for super nintendo was still the definitive version they released this on ps1 with anime cutscenes, but the load times are ridiculous like every fight you get into it's like five seconds of black screen it's terrible the ds version is essentially the best version of the game but it's not a home version it's a handheld so the definitive home version of chrono trigger in my opinion is still the super nintendo version which i have mint in the box and is only flying, flying up in value. So again, pretty obvious. 
but a great game all the same. Thank you everybody for watching. If uh, if you watch this on YouTube, uh, you can go to your uh, iTunes and watch and listen to the podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes. Just search for Game Talk Radio on the i on the podcast uh, platform, and then look for me wearing the the the, the shirt, my the little sprite eight bit version of me. If you are listening to it on uh, on SoundCloud or on iTunes, I would absolutely love and appreciate if you can subscribe to us on YouTube. If you go to www.droprate.life, it'll take you to our YouTube channel or just go to YouTube and search for The Drop Rate. Uh, we're up to about over 2,250. We're going to break 2,300 subs pretty soon. And uh, we're just, um, you know, we're just, we're just doing great with it. And I, I'd appreciate that. And if you ever want to get just my content, you can always look for the little sprite in the corner here of me, the 8-bit version of me wearing the shirt. Um, but obviously, if you're into new games and games that uh, you may not have heard of before, Jordan's doing a great job as a curator are trying to like introduce people to these awesome games so thank you again everyone very much appreciate it everyone have a great day we'll talk to you again next week after e3 uh and we'll have maybe some news about the sony stuff we'll see how right it was all right thanks everyone we'll talk to you later bye-bye